Well, hello there, my lovely little listeners. Fancy meeting you here because I have a very important message. As we know, season three is coming to an end, but that doesn't mean we're coming to an end. That would be tragic. In the show notes or the description of this episode is a link to a Google form to fill out to let us know what you would like to hear from us next. We really, really love creating the podcast and we love creating content for you guys because it is one of our passions. Please go ahead and fill it out. We love hearing from you guys. We really want to know what you're excited to listen to because that makes us excited to create content for you guys. I love you so much. I love you way much. And uh, please feel free to um, literally have so much fun. Hey, Tyler. Yeah, Serena. I don't understand. I've trained for years for this moment, and you're just a child. I may be just a child, but I'm still strong enough to defeat you. Ha! Do not try to humor me. I've trained for thousands of hours with only the best masters of my craft. No one, especially someone of your age, can defeat me. That's where you're wrong, Serena. (gasps) You may have spent more time training than I, and you may be stronger than me. But you have wasted so much time focused on the physical aspect. And you have done so alone. I I, I don't understand. What are you trying to say? I may not have as much experience as you, but I have the power of friendship on my side. And nothing (gasps) can defeat that. (laughs) Ha ha ha! We shall see. I'm Serena Schreifels. And I'm Tyler Strandberg. And you're listening to... The Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar The Last Airbender and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to The Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. On today's episode of The Power of Friendship, we will be talking about the friendship between two characters... Um, I don't know why I'm going off script. <laughs> we'll be talking about the sixth episode of book three titled The Avatar and the Fire Lord. Oh my goodness, I'm excited. You know why, Tyler? Why are you excited? Because after Aang receives a vision from his predecessor, Roku, and Zuko receives a letter from Iroh, they each learn about the relationship between Avatar Roku and Fire Lord Sozin. Their childhood friendship, their falling out, and Sozin's eventual betrayal of Roku to his death. Zuko discovers that Roku is his maternal great-grandfather. Iroh explains to Zuko that the legacy of the struggle between Roku and the latter's paternal great-grandfather, Sozen, live on as a struggle between good and evil within Zuko himself. Um, let's dive into some plot and themes and stuff. And Ooh, um, yes. my favorite part, the and stuff, we're going to dive into some things to know. Mm-hmm. The mistakes that Avatar Roku alluded to when he appeared before Aang in The Awakening are elaborated upon in this episode. Wait no longer, dear listeners. The secrets of Roku are out. In the flashback where Roku waterbends his teacher through the northern water tribe city, the large ice wall that surrounded the city had not yet been built. If the visions of Roku's training in this episode are an example of usual Avatar training customs, it seems that while training in each of the other elements, Avatars will wear the standard clothing of that nation, but return to their own when they have mastered all the elements. That makes sense. Kind of, I guess. I mean, like, learning the other cultures. Put on their clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Assimilate. 
But it's later confirmed in The Legend of Korra as Avatar Korra is seen training airbending in traditional air nomad clothes and at the beginning of the series is seen training firebending in Fire Nation armor. It's only for special avatars, okay, so don't. So like Aang didn't have to do that because he wasn't special, but Korra did because she was. Right. I guess Korra's just better than Aang. Right. (laughs) (laughs) During Roku's wedding, guests in blue and green can be seen, representing the openness of the four nations before the war. The stance and motion that Fire Lord Sozin uses to sink and redirect the volcano's heat energy directly mirrors the form that Iru and Zuko use to channel and redirect the energy from the lightning. Good. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's like really cool. I want to do it too. Iroh was like, I invented this move. And it's like, mm, did you, babe? Because mm. like we saw Sozin do this like literally a hundred years prior. So we see you, Iroh. <laughs> This is the first chapter in book three that Iroh speaks. Iroh's long period without dialogue is believed by some to be related to the death of Iroh's book one and book two voice actor, Mako. But on the DVD commentary, the creators had previously planned to have Iroh silent for the first few episodes. Fire Lord Sozin justifies the invasion of the other nations as sharing wealth, a concept derived from Japanese imperialism. In World War II, the Japanese Empire used the ideological construct Daito Kyoiken, the Great East Asian Co-Prosperity Sphere, to justify invading China and conquering the South Pacific, just as the Fire Nation had invaded the Earth Kingdom and the Water Tribes. The creator stated this episode to be one of the most complex of the series, with by far the most background designs of any episode. Um, let's dive into our first theme as we covered in our cold open, the power of friendship. The power of friendship can rule them all. I mean, the title says it all. The episode really focuses on the relationship between Avatar Roku and Fire Lord Sozin. This episode creates a really interesting dynamic between the two, setting up validation as to why Roku didn't do anything about the war to begin with and why the state of the world is what it's in right now. Roku and Sozin's friendship has lasted since we can assume childhood, as we see them together when they're teenagers practicing their firebending against each other. Roku then calls Sozin his best friend, but the episode gives us examples to back that claim up, such as how Sozin shares with Roku one of his royal artifacts before he leaves to train as the Avatar. Sharing a birthday with one another also gives the viewer of a deeper bond slash connection between the two beyond just a normal friendship. OMG, my roommate and I do this. I know. We celebrate it was so our smart. I loved it. Just like one big party. Just like. It was just like a fun fest. Yeah. Anyway, but celebrating their birthdays together instead of separately tells us how much Roku means to Sozin, considering he's the prince of the Fire Nation and should maybe instead be having his own party with just the royalty. But he chooses to share that with Roku, which is like so sweet. Serena, I'm picking up some gay vibes. Oh, I don't know about shut you, up. but like. Well, this, did Sozin ever marry? I mean, he had to have if he had kids, right? Right, but like, was yes. he into it? I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, back to you. <laughs> back to you. <laughs> back to this gay friendship between Roku yeah. and Sozin. Um, it's also because of Roku's friendship with Sozin that he makes his biggest mistakes and does not do what's best for the world, despite the obvious signs that Sozin is going to throw the world into chaos. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking right now, like, <laughs> Sozin is like, Roku, let's take over the world. And Roku is like, no. no oh my God. Stop. Like, nah. stop. That's not funny. You're like so cute when you talk like that. <laughs> but like, seriously, stop it. 
Oh, that's exactly how it was. I think so, honestly. Yeah. That's what I picked up in this episode. The signs do smart small. Smart small. <laughs> the signs do start small, but like obviously they progress to more severe as the episode continues. Susan, or should I say Fire Lord? Customarily, my subjects bow before greeting me. But you're the exception. After all these years, he was still my best friend. So it's clear from this interaction that Sozin already has a superiority complex and does not view his citizens as people he should help, but rather objects there to serve him. And this should already be a red flag to watch out of Sozin's desire for power and lack of regard for human life. But instead, Roku sees it as a sign of friendship. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> we're just good friends. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> They were just two really great friends who lived with each other and wrote notes saying that they really loved each other and slept in the same bed with each other. But like that just really speaks as to how good of friends they were. And then one of them killed the other. (laughs) Our nation is enjoying an unprecedented time of peace and wealth. Our people are happy and we're so fortunate in so many ways. Where are you going with this? I've been thinking... We should share this prosperity with the rest of the world. In our hands is the most successful empire in history. It's time we expanded it. No, the four nations are meant to be just that, four. Roku, you haven't even stopped to consider the possibilities. There are no possibilities. This is the last I want to hear about this. First off, there's also nothing wrong with sharing prosperity and wealth throughout the world. It's our civic duty as humans to help other humans if you have the resources available. However, it should be done through diplomacy and letting other nations decide for themselves what's best for them, where it's very clear from this interaction that Sozin using this as a pale excuse to conquer the other nations in the world. It's like, I could share. Or I could force it down your throat. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like mission trips or whatever, you know, like. Oh, like when the church would do something? Yeah, so like usually that's just like a group of people like going into like some poor like area of the world and being like, hello, we're here to help and do everything for you. Or like that doesn't actually help. What helps is like analyzing why these problems are there to begin with and then giving the communities the resources to like find solutions for themselves in a way that works for them culturally and financially. It was like in The Painted Lady when Katara helped that village. Exactly. Like that is the way to do it. Not like, hello, we're here to do this all for you and thank us. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. So since what do you mean you're, you're upset that we were like totally invaded your town slash nation and just started doing things for ourselves? We are helping you. We're helping you. Oh, okay. Anyway, moving on. After this, Roku acknowledges that this was a test for him as Avatar, but as viewers, we can clearly see where he failed. And later in the episode, he discovers he has failed as well. As well. Roku refused to take any action to prevent Sozin from going forward with his plans and obviously didn't keep a careful eye on him after Sozin had made it clear that he was like power hungry and totally a potential threat to the world. Yeah, this would be like saying a, to a TSA agent, you know, like imagine you're going on, it, there's no corona. Imagine a world <laughs> there's no where there's corona. no corona. <laughs> what world you is that? You are going on a vacation. You're going to like yippee kaye onto a plane yeah, and sure. you like are going through security and you tell the TSA agent like, T, I have a bomb and I want to use it on this plane. 
And then the TSA agent is just like, oh my God, no. Like, please don't do that. Oh my God, that's so funny. You're funny. And then they just like let you get on the plane anyway. That's what Roku did here. Roku was like, Roku no. Roku was a really don't horrible do that. TSA agent. He is. Don't let And Avatar. Yeah. Tea. Oh. <laughs> tea. Yeah, I just I just drank that real fast, real hot. I gulped that. <laughs> <laughs> Sozen used Roku when he was most vulnerable, i.e., on his wedding day, as a tactic to distract Roku from causing any confrontation or violence should the encounter or proposition turn sour. And he was correct in the assumption that because of their friendship, Roku would not do anything to Sozen. I'm sparing you, Sozen. I'm letting you go in the name of our past friendship. But I warn you, even a single step out of line will result in your permanent end. This is Roku's next big mistake. While he did at least take action this time, this should have been done much sooner. Or he should have taken steps to get rid of Sozin already. Get what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. Whether that's killing him or, you know, somehow taking his political power away, he totally should have done that. Yeah, I mean, like, this just tells Sozin, like, I can get away with whatever I want as long as Roku doesn't find out about it. Which, like, that's that's not a good message to be sending. No, because it totally comes back to bite Roku in his little Roku butt. <laughs> in his little avatar hiney. It's in, in his little avatar caboose. Because uh, remember when Roku's home island is erupting? <laughs> Roku accepts help from Sozin. Need a hand, old friend? Sozin? There's not a moment to waste. This may seem nice, but it's actually a very clever manipulation tactic. Sozin is telling Roku that he's not a threat and that he's there to help, using the emotion from their old friendship against Roku. Without you, all my plans are suddenly possible. I have a vision for the future, Roku. Sozin is totally able to get exactly what he wants out of this exchange. He's able to get Roku to trust him, put him in a vulnerable position, and then... Leave him to die so that Sozin is able to move forward with his lifelong dream. After all, as he learned so many years ago, as long as Roku isn't in the picture, he's able to get away with whatever he wants. Oh, it's a devastating story, but ultimately Roku's trust in his friendship with someone who clearly was not a friend back to him and was instead only using their relationship for personal political gain was the end. Roku. Yeah, and throughout the episode, we also see a dynamic like between Aang, who is surrounded by his friends, and Zuko, who is learning this history alone. But Aang is presently surprised to learn about Roku's friendship with Monkeyatso, one of his closest friends at the Southern Air Temple, and Aang's mentor. Some friendships are so strong, they can even transcend lifetimes. This moment is pretty persistent about the power of friendship as well. The power of friendship! Go! Let's talk about the balance of good versus evil in this episode. Like you would know. We just finished talking about how Roku's friendship with Sozin affected his decisions that ultimately led to the Hundred Year War. But another way to look at this is to analyze the interesting dynamic that both Roku and Fire Lord Sozin come from the Fire Nation and the different paths that they chose to take. It's like these people are born bad. No, that's wrong. I don't think that was the point of what Roku showed me at all. Then what was the point? Roku was just as much Fire Nation as Sozin was, right? If anything, their story proves anyone's capable of great good and great evil. Everyone, even the Fire Lord and the Fire Nation, 
have to be treated like they're worth giving a chance. Obviously, in this dynamic, Roku is the representation of good, and Sozin is the representation of evil. Roku was able to travel the world and was able to interact and learn about many different cultures and the way people live. While Roku still came from a position of extreme privilege, and by that I mean, like, I don't think he would even have access to Prince Sozin unless Roku was born to, like, a high-class family or unless, like, they went to the same school, which would probably be, like, a private academy, which, again, would probably mean that his family came from money. Roku did not fall into the same common class hierarchy that is often associated with royalty and wealth. So what you're saying is that we have two same pebbles on the same path, but one went the other way and the other went the other way. And what I'm saying is two roads diverge in a yellow wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Do you know who said that? Our Lord and Savior, Robert Frost. No. What? It was Iroh. (laughs) (laughs) I was close to tears. I'm so sorry. That was me. Iroh only said, I would rather go three days without eating than a single day without tea. Damn, you're so right. He did say that. He did say that. It was on a meme. I forgot about that. God, iron his tea, I stand. Ah. All right, let's talk about Zuko here, the Zoku. little prince of the Fire Nation. <gasps> let's do it. Yeah. Oh my God, Tyler. First, what? we learned that Roku is Zuko's maternal great grandfather. <gasps> what? Yeah. I mean, like, it makes sense because Zuko embodies the theme of good versus evil, like, throughout the entire episode, as noted by Iroh, like, at the end of it. You have more than one great-grandfather, Prince Zuko. Sozin was your father's grandfather. Your mother's grandfather was Avatar Roku. Why are you telling me this? Because understanding the struggle between your two great-grandfathers can help you better understand the battle within yourself. Evil and good are always at war inside you, Zuko. It is your nature, your legacy. But there is a bright side. What happened generations ago can be resolved now by you. Because of your legacy, you alone can cleanse the sins of our family and the Fire Nation. Born in you, along with all the strife, is the power to restore balance to the world. Just as Iroh said here, Zuko has constantly struggled with what's right and wrong and struggled with knowing what's the best thing he should do. Yeah, and the bars in this scene are also like very strategically placed and choreographed. When Iroh says that Zuko's great-grandfather on his father's side was Sozin, the bars pass over Zuko's face, revealing his scar. And this is representative of like the hurt and pain that Zuko's father has not only caused him, but the harm that he and the royal family have inflicted upon the rest of the world. And vice versa, when Iroh says his great-grandfather on his mother's side was Roku, the bars pass over Zuko's face, covering his scar. This represents the good still in the world, and the good that Zuko can still do to help the world from becoming consumed with evil and hate, as the Fire Lord would like to have. The point of view is always shown to make Zuko appear as if 
he is the one who is behind bars and Iroh is not, representing the caged feeling that Zuko is going through right uh, now. That's, that's all that there is. Um, this character kind of surprised me that I was able to come up with this much for her, but we're going to talk about Toph now. Yeah, we are. She has such a small part in this episode, but it's like very influential. The idea of friendships lasting more than one lifetime seems to really like resonate with Toph. Do you really think friendships can last more than one lifetime? I don't see why not. It's so heartwarming that she desires a friendship and a bond that's so deep with others, seeing as how even though we've known Toph for a full season, it's very recent that she joined Team Avatar. And she came from a household that didn't allow her to have any friends, leaving her to grow up completely alone. And now we're going to dive into spoilers for Korra. It's also very inspiring that she has been able to gain this friendship with Aang and keep it later in her life as well with Korra. Wait, you recognize me? In a manner of speaking. We were good friends in your previous life. I can't believe it. Toph? (laughs) Nice to see you again, Twinkle Toes. Toph's bond with Aang was so deep that she can still sense his spirit after he's been reincarnated into a new avatar. Or she may be able to sense Aang's presence through her seismic sense with Korra. I think it's also cute that she calls Korra Twinkle Toes, which like was her affectionate nickname for Aang. Aww, I love that. That's just so sweet. It's just, that's such a sweet moment. I like how that continued from one series into the other. Okay, Serena, it's my turn to go first. Yes, it is. Do it. My favorite character was Zuko. Um, Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> look, okay. I didn't really like anyone in this episode. True. I mean, true. like I said this before, I do not think that Roku was a good avatar. And like this story is really centered around him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that his decisions were right. I don't even understand where he's coming from. Like I get his emotional like decisioning making process behind these decisions, but I don't understand his like logical decision making process. Like you know, and right. like, I just think he makes the wrong choices all of the time, and it's so frustrating, and I don't like it. And then, like, obviously, I don't like Sozin, and like, Aang is kind of just there for the ride. He's just mm-hmm. like a piece of the puzzle that's just kind of like traveling through it with Roku. The only other character really to have any depth to them is Zuko, and that's only because of this like speech that Iroh gives at the very end of the episode. So I just say Zuko, but it's kind of by default, you know? I don't know. Okay, well, who was your favorite? My favorite was Roku. Okay. Prove me wrong. This is why. So um, first off, I think that Roku is a cancer, as in like the Zodiac sign. I think he's actually like a sensitive crybaby. Shut up. I hate you so... Wait, no. Stop. Stop. I'm looking this up. I'm looking this up. Oh my god! If Roku actually is a cancer, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pee on this chair right here, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Sorry, Aaron. Shut up. Wait, is he a cancer? He's a cancer. <laughs> okay, so let's let's do the logical prospect behind this. He was probably born in the Fire Nation, Fire Nation Royal City, which, if I'm looking at this map correctly, is in the northern hemisphere, just barely in the northern hemisphere. Firebenders are more likely to be born during the summer. Mm -hmm. So if he was born in the northern hemisphere, the summer would put his birthday in like July. Oh, okay. Which would make him a cancer. Yes, it would. I hate that so much. Ah, I'm so mad about that. 
Oh, see, see, Tyler, I completely related to Roku in this episode because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look at what he's going through. That's got to be so hard. You know, he's really given it his best. He's given it his all. And like, you know, at the start, he's a pretty good avatar. And mm. I, I mean, I think so. I think he's doing a really good job. Like someone just came up to me and was like, how would you feel if someone came up to you and you're like, you're the avatar. Forget everything you know. And here's your great destiny and all of this yada, 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 cool confetti. Roku approached his destiny with such grace, um, even though it really, I felt like it really kind of tore him up at first, you know, and I don't think he ever really identified with being the avatar. Like, you know how some people embrace their destinies and others, their destinies were just given to them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the latter with Roku. And when Roku is confronted with Sozin, like his best friend, like I probably would have made the same exact decision. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, oh my God, my friend, you're totally not toxic. Um, and I love you and I'm not going to kill you. <sighs> but that's not the case as it was. But from one cancer to another, I was like, Roku, I get you. Anywho, that's why Roku is my favorite character. Okay. Um, I guess we're on to ratings now, right? Yeah, we are. So I gave this episode a six. Um... Because I thought that it was enjoyable. So, like, that's still a positive rating. But, like, I don't know. I didn't find anything more interesting about it. Like, it's a fun, like, history episode and world building episode, but it's kind of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can see how mad you are at me right now. I'm so- I was just winded. I'm sorry. I was winded. <laughs> I did not think that you were going to give. This beauty is six. Okay. I I don't really have much to back up that claim. I just I what about was your ent- feelings, Tyler. Your feelings. My feelings is that like I was entertained when I watched this episode, but not to the point where I was like, that moved me so emotionally. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that was interesting. Okay. That, right. that that was fun to watch. That was yeah. Okay. No, no. It's not something I'd go back and watch. Right, right. No, that's totally fair. It served its purpose and it enjoyed I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I gave this episode a nine. Okay, tell (laughs) me why. That is interesting. Let's hear it. I feel like we... We both approached this episode differently because I felt like I related to this episode more Mm -hmm. uh, because I really identified with Roku. Um, I also am just obsessed with the world building and the history, and I think it brings to light um, an undercurrent of the themes that we already know to be existent in Avatar. Mm -hmm. So I think that it really, it's like showing, it's like when you learn that, so you know that there's a tide in the ocean, but like this is like learning that, oh, the moon controls the tide. Okay. Like, this is, like, learning the push and pull between, like, what Aang and his friends are actually, like, fighting for. And we get to see, like, we get to see the prize which they're fighting for and, and the horrors that they're currently in. Mm-hmm. And, and also, like, the, the, the deep story. And also just Zuko and Iroh, like, oh, that, that just, my heart just, like, leapt out of my chest when he was like, oh, you're from Sozin and Roku, and you resemble the good and the evil. I was like, no, oh, yes. Uh, 
Yeah. And just, oh, it's a heartbreaking story. Oh, when Roku is, oh, and then Sozin comes to help, and he's like, hey there, brother. And he's like, oh, my God, thank you. And then he just ups and leaves, and then Roku just dies. Uh, I mean, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I guess it just didn't hit me as hard as it's hitting you. That's okay. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just a cancer. <laughs> you're a Capricorn. It makes sense to me. <laughs> That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Sonavent Productions, and Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it. Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at Airbender Pod. That's A-I-R Bender P-O-D. I'm Serena Schreifels, the co-host of this show. You can follow me on Instagram at Serena underscore Schreifels. That's S-C-R-E-N-A underscore S-C-H-R-E-I-F-E-L-S. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week. 